Blog Talk Radio. I, you know, I was really pleased 
that uh, some kind of reform on the student loan issue. But at the same time, I mean, you know, what they did, uh, you know, and, and by what this government did and this, and this, this uh, Sally May did is just raped the, the American people. They raped the, 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 the poor kid who's trying to get out of high school and going into college. They just raped them, you know? Turned six and a half percent when they're getting the money for a dollar, for one percent, you know? And, and, and you know, just, just raping them. Yeah, it's really sick. It's really sick. Right. Hang on one second, folks. I'll be right back. Okay, we're back. And that was just a call. I just took a call from Lila, who just finished her negotiations, uh, with new contract negotiations. So, yeah, kind of interesting. And she didn't want to tell me. I don't know why, but she seemed upbeat. So I'm hoping that everything worked out. But anyway, um, yeah. truth behind uh, criticisms of Senator Warren's student loan refinance. Which I think is a freaking joke, personally. But you know, from what I've heard. But let, let's let's go on, and I'll read a little bit here. The Senate voted in favor of millionaires over students Wednesday morning, after Republican senators voted Senator Warren's Democratic bill giving eligible student loan borrowers a fair shot at managing their debt. The bill would allow millions of students pressed by heavy debt to refinance the loans at a lower interest rate uh, currently offered in federal student loan programs. This act would have been financed by implementing what's called the Buffett Rule, which would close loopholes for people making over $1 million a year given a year. Uh, the blocking of Senator Warren's bill represents a blow to many Americans who are struggling to get ahead and repaying their crippling student loans. Uh, call your senator today at 202-517-2321 and urge them to stand with students over millionaires by voting for the Bank on Students uh, Emergency Loan Refinancing Act. The bill failed to garner the 60 votes needed to for a cloture, um, uh, though uh, Majority Leader Harry Reid may bring it forward again in the future. Republican senators who proposed the bill argued that it would bring, help bring down the skyrocketing cost of college tuition or reduce borrowing. Let me repeat this. Republican senators who opposed the bill argued that it wouldn't help bring down the skyrocketing cost of college tuition or reduce borrowing. This despite nearly widespread agreement among financial policymakers and financial regulators that the student debt which now totals more than $1.2 trillion, is bringing down the overall economy and discouraging recent graduates from typing, types of spending that typically act as stimulus, such as buying a car or, or taking out a home mortgage. Another reason Warren's bill was received with, so, with such vitriol is uh, because of well-aimed funding from millionaire-backed anti-attack groups. Outside scholars such as Matthew Chingos, 
from the Brookings Institute, who has repeatedly criticized Warren on higher education issues, obtained large grants from groups such as the Lumina Foundation and the Smith Richardson Foundation uh, to conduct research and publish studies attacking Warren's proposals. Chingo, out of affiliation with Brookings Institute, has allowed him to be considered an objective analysis. Uh, this is shit because from the Brookings Institute, Brookings Institute is the most shit group I've ever heard anything from. They're the most biased, conservative, ass-wipe group in the entire universe. So let's kind of forget them. But has allowed to be considered an objective analysis analyst on important policy matters such as student loan debt, a troubling fact considering his financial support. <laughs> uh, a look into Chingo's financing shows and he has received significant grant money for conservative-minded organizations with corporate ties. The most troubling of these uh, conservatives is the $500,000 he received from the Lumina Foundation, a private organization with close ties to Sally May, this nation's largest provider of private student loans. I mean, this, I mean, you know, you want to talk about horrors. I mean, tremendous horrors of the nation. Let's talk about Matthew Chingo's from the Brooklyn Institute, okay? I mean, these guys are whores, okay? And, you know, a, a look at the Chingo's funding, you know? He, the guy got $500,000 from the Lumina Foundation, which is that organization that close to ties to Sally May. Why go through all the trouble to shore up opposition to such a simple bill? As it turns out, Sally May had a lot riding on Wednesday's vote. Warren's bill would give those uh, in good standing the option to refinance high interest rates, uh, interest private loans, down to uh, current federal student loan rates of 3.8%, a move that would save students and recent graduates millions, but also cut into the profits of lenders such as Sally Mae that often charge higher fixed rate rates uh, without the option of refinance. Sally Mae should be freaking just decapitated, all right? This is a this is a federal program that is just raping the the students. I mean, this is just a god awful, miserable, freaking you know uh, you know prostitution ring. Okay, Sally Mae, the prostitute. Public thinkers such as Chingos inform political debates, which in turn influence legislation. While the sources of Chingos funding. Uh, should not quite disqualify his opinion. It is important that those involved in the debate understand where his points come from. Yeah, give me a hundred, five hundred million bucks, right? Five hundred thousand dollars, and the guy writes an article against selling, against uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, reduction of rate. What a freaking whore! Okay, big money filtered into the mainstream debate is disguised form of lobbying that is not only hard to track but also dangerously represented as objective and unbiased. The blocking of Warren's bill shows how moneyed interests can trump the voices of struggling Americans and reveal what side some legislators are on. Too many senators voted in favor of those who have already made it, and in doing so, they paved a more difficult path for those still struggling to make it. Oh, man. You know, it's like, screw you. I made it. Screw you. You ain't going to make it, because if you make it, you may take some away from me. Up your butt, all right? 
God, do I hate these people. I hate these people. Yeah, you, you can't help but hate people like this. Okay? You know, this goddamn Congress, you know, and these goddamn millionaires, just up them, screw them. You know, it's got to be a better way, folks. And the only better way, work with the unions, get rid of these mother suckers, and get rid of them. Okay? With jobless help expired, Gary and three million others are desperate for help. I don't know what this means, but I'm going to read it. I, I, I just, you know, this disgusts me. Gary, Indiana, I guess. Gary of Bordertown, New Jersey, is sporting his disabled wife and their 11-year-old son. 11-year-old son? By racking up high-interest credit card debt, depleting their life savings. He is one of the more than 3 million workers who have been cut off from unemployment insurance since House Republicans allowed emergency help for jobless workers to expire at the end of the last year. Gary is on job search, but his voice was heard Wednesday on Capitol Hill when AFL-CIO Secretary's Treasurer Liz Schuler uh, shared his story as part of the continuing initiative to give a voice to the jobless to witness with yesterday. The events will run every Wednesday through July 31st and will feature lawmakers and members of labor, community faith, and other group rendered readings and the personal stories of struggle from those cut off from help. Folks, you got to do what you got to do, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, pretty sick. Uh, in, I think so, uh, before reading Gary's story, Shula said, and some members of Congress think their job to deprive three million workers and their families of their lifeline that they so desperately need, and we disagree. We disagree on moral grounds. We disagree on economic grounds. And it's just plain unfair to those trying to work and make it in this economy. Gary's story is below, and see the video above for more. Job applications submitted, 
and need my extension to feed my family during my job search. Please pass the extension for unemployment. Call your representative at 845-809-4509 and tell him or her to pass the EUC benefit extension. I feel horrible for these guys. I mean, I'm, I'm so sorry for them. You know, I just, um, I'm sorry, guys. You know, it's just, you know, these goddamn congressmen, these goddamn ass wipes, you know, running this country, just don't see it. Here's an interesting, here's another interesting story. And you can get these on AFL-CIO now. I want you to go there, please, and search and look and look through this whole thing because it's so important. If Congress doesn't act soon, more than 700,000 middle-class jobs building the nation's highways and bridges transit system will be at risk. While the legislation authorizing the spending on those vital projects does expire, doesn't expire, rather, until September 30th. The Highway Trust Fund that helps states pay for transportation, construction, and upkeep is running out of money, and layoffs could begin later next month. Last month, Obama said, there are more than 100,000 active projects paving roads and building bridges, modernizing our transit system. States might have to choose which ones to put the brakes on. Some states are already starting to slow down work because they're worried Congress won't untangle the gridlock on time. The Obama administration has offered a four-year reauthorization plan called the Grow America Act, and in May, the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee passed a bipartisan bill that reauthorized transportation spending for six years. While funding remains uncertain and leaders of Republican-controlled House so far have only floated the AFL-CIO Transportation Trade Department, President Ed uh, Whitekind called a ridiculous proposal to fund highway projects by eliminating Saturday mail delivery. What a crazy bastard. It, you know, we don't even, what, how can you do that? Because we don't even, they don't even fund Saturday mail delivery. It is disappointing that the House Republican leaders have resurrected a strategy taken right out of the failed playbook from last Congress of funding surface transportation needs on the backs of workers who have nothing to do with the funding shortfalls we face. The transportation reauthorization is the largest jobs creation bill Congress deals with on a regular basis. It provides certainty needs uh, for, to, for projects to prove forward and traditionally has been long-term legislation, but in recent years, Republican leaders have tried to use the legislation as a vehicle for extremist and partisan provision. Operating engineer uh, President uh, James T. Callahan urges Congress to act swiftly. He says, American families are counting on Congress to do its jobs. Hundreds of thousands of American workers depend on these investments for their livelihood. Multi-year funding is the only solution to rebuild our crumbling roads and bridges the right way. We urge lawmakers to move swiftly and move boldly before the Highway Trust Fund runs dry. I mean, God, guys, I don't know how much more, how how much more blatant can you be? 
You know, I mean, God damn. I mean, the, the insanity of our Congress, the insanity of our Congress is just, I get so sick, guys. You know, you know, I, uh, I, I, I live a bipolar existence. There's no question about it. Not that I'm bipolar, uh, you know, but I live one because on Tuesday and Wednesday nights, I try desperately to bring this information to the people, you know, to try to enlighten people to see what the hell is going on. But, you know, people don't give a crap, all right? They really don't. You know, 99% of the population don't give a crap of what's going on. They don't look for news. They don't care. You know, they're just a freaking bunch of morons. But that 1% or 2%, 1% or 2% of those people who actually tune in and, you know, actually think and actually want to think and actually want to participate I want to know what's going on. I love you people, and for that reason, I work. And I work, and I slave, and I do this stupid job, and I, you know, this, I do this radio show, and I spend the money that I spend every month. And I try, I try, and I try, and I try, and Lila and I both try desperately to bring this message to you. But God, we're getting tired. We're getting so tired. We're getting IUF trade deals that threaten democracy. TPP, the Trans-Pacific Policy, could make it harder for for workers to organize. I call this the toilet paper policy, Obama's toilet paper policy. The International Union of Food, Agriculture, Hotel, Catering, Tobacco, and Allied Workers Union, otherwise known as IUF, recently released a report. Trade deals that threaten democracy, expressing strong opposition to two trade agreements currently being negotiated. The two deals, the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership between the United States and the European Union and the Trans-Pacific Partnership between the U.S. and several Pacific Rim countries, would open trade between the parties and potentially create jobs and reduce the cost of consumers' goods. So why does this global union federation so strongly oppose them? I'll tell you why. Because it's going to kill everything. It's going to kill everything, folks. Such treaties known as the Fair Free Trade Agreements have in the past been extremely detrimental to the rights of workers and their trade unions. Think NAFTA. According to the IUF report, uh, these agreements already or aren't really about tariffs, which generally have been uh, low between the countries. Uh, involved since the liberalization of trade under the World Trade Organization, the WTO. And rather, the group says these agreements would build on already toxic trade and investment rules by granting more power to uh, large corporations to uh, uh, challenge uh, public interest policies and practices. The FLCIO has already expressed strong reservations 
about both the uh, TTIP and the TPP, which could negatively impact working families around the world unless they incorporate the new people and planet center trade model. One of the biggest concerns of the AFL-CIO and the numerous uh, environmental advocates, pro-democracy groups, and health organizations is a provision called Investor State Dispute Settlement. That is slated to be uh, included in the free trade agreements such as TTIP and TPP. Okay, the ISDS is one of the many provisions in free trade agreements that seek to undermine what is called non-tariff barriers to trade. The laws and uh, regulations that protect uh, working people, which labor and social movements have toiled for decades to implement. As Nobel Prize-winning economist Joseph Steiglitz explains, huge multinational corporations complain that uh, inconsistent regulations make business costly. But most of the regulations, even if they are imperfect, are there for a reason to protect workers, consumers, and economy, and the environment. What's more, most those regulations were often put in place by governments responding to the democratic demands of their citizens. IDS can chill government efforts to promote, uh, regulate in the public interest as mere threats of an expensive arbitration case hangs over pretty much any public interest legislation. In order to protect workers' rights, keep our water and air clean, and ensure the products we buy are safe, workers and their unions must become more involved in the TPP and TTIP negotiations. We can't afford any more NAFTAs, as AFL-CIO President Trump puts it. We cannot afford a rigged trade game anymore. Doubling down on the same failed trade policies of the past will not raise wages create good jobs, and restore the strength of the middle class. We must change policy. And demand that fair trade deals put the needs of working families first and help make U.S. producers and their employees more competitive in the global market by protecting workers' rights everywhere. And, folks, I agree with that 100%. This is just one state operation. The TPP could make it harder for workers to organize. This one, this, this is a... a, a video, a quick video. Just for the partnership. What is? TPP is being negotiated behind closed doors. TPP could mean that I feel less secure. TPP Local corporations pit worker against worker in a race to the bottom. TPP could be in fewer work opportunities for local residents. This, uh, this, this sucks because it, it's got 13 freaking languages. Uh, sorry about that, folks. But, but it's, all, it's all workers talking about the TPP. You know, so, you know, unless you're watching it, that's kind of a useless video. So let's go on. Uh. Uh. I'm 
going to. Um, I I I was really I was really upset about this fire this thing, but I, I'm gonna talk about it in a minute. Let me let me go to a, a quick break, a little music break, and we'll be back. Walmart guys, 
for making the world a happier place. <laughs> what a moron. We're sure that Farrell is a really nice guy and that he's only showing up for a Walmart, a Walmart shareholder's performance because he doesn't know that nation's largest realtor, real retailer, owned by the country's richest family, pays many of its workers such atrocious wages and benefits that they receive public assistance. He probably doesn't know that a Walmart contractor just settled to pay $21 million for wage theft while the federal government is prosecuting Walmart for legally firing workers who went on strike to protest retaliation. And certainly he can't be aware that the company's executives are taking home hundreds of millions in compensation while the average worker makes less than 25000 a year. Well, there's no way Farrell would be happy uh, to perform for such a company if he knew the full scale of the problem. But since he hasn't learned that yet and is helping celebrate a company that makes so many working families unhappy, he is the low-wage villain of the week. So there it is. Farrell, the idiot hat. Idiot, okay? You know, has no clue. Has, uh, you know... Uh, 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 singing for Walmart. You know, they love it. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, these guys would do anything for a buck. You know, it's just sick. You know, come on. It's just sick. Just sick. So anyway, let's go on. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Ah, yeah. I just wish it would be easier. Moral Mondays focus on education get lawmakers' attention. Yeah, well, that's maybe in North Carolina, but what they just did in California is atrocious. And I'm very, very disappointed that they don't talk about this on this website tonight. AFL-CIO, hey, where's your information? Huh? More than a thousand, hundred thousand, more than a thousand North Carolinians called on the state legislature to restore funding for public school student education in a back-off attack on teachers' rights and a support of school privatization and moral Monday rally at the state of Capitol. Well, you know, North Carolina has also put out a bill, which I'm surprised, and I'm disappointed that this damn uh, AFL-CIO blog doesn't talk about. You know, they may be hallelujahing this, this union, but, you know, what North Carolina just did is it made it illegal to be homeless. That's right. You know, they're picking people up off the street. You know, they're not providing them with jobs or anything. They're there are shelter. They're just arresting anybody who's on the street down there. All right? So much for North Carolina. And more than 1,000 North Carolinians called on the state legislature to restore funding for public school students' education and to back off its attack on teachers' rights and its support of school privatization in a moral Monday rally. Whoa. The Moral Monday protest began last year in response to Governor Pat McCourty's, uh, who was a Republican, of course, and the Republican legislative extremist agenda that has attacked voting rights, education, the environment, unemployed workers, health care, and women's rights. Showing Moral Monday's mounting pressure and its growing state and national high profile for the first time, a leader of the legislature met with the protesters who had been prepared for a sit-in and possible arrest. Well, North Carolina Senate President Pro Tempor, Phil Berger, a Republican, of course, a Republican, met with some 15 teachers and students outside the office of about two hours. According to a news report, it was an occasionally heated but mostly civil conversation about the cuts to public education funding 
and elimination of nearly 700 teaching assistant public funds, public funds for school, private school vouchers, and tying teacher raises to eliminating tenure rights. While protesters said they appreciated that Berger met with them, they said they would continue their drive to protect students in public education. A tenure, uh, Brian Protfit, a tenure teacher said, I won't be satisfied until my students have what they need and our schools aren't bleeding every day. We'll be back if these conditions are not met. The reality is, with all the media attention we're getting right here and all this conversation, we're going to be back with a whole lot more folks. Yeah, good luck, guy. They just destroyed you in California. They just destroyed California. They took away teacher tenure. You know, I mean, you know, I'm sorry, guys, but this sucks. This freaking sucks. You know? They're working the school system. You know how hard it is. And you got to deal with these goddamn parents who, you know, those, you know, and these freaking morally inept, uh, you know, uh, Jesus. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just a terrible terrible situation. And, you know, and then they take away teacher tenure. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, uh, yeah, I really get sick. I, 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 I do this because it's important. It's important to talk about it. Jobless workers have decreased by 1.9 million 
and the unemployment rate has fallen from 7.5%. Will the will improve job numbers? Yeah, but the homeless has increased by 1.5 million, and and the and the and you know and and people starving in this country have increased by you know 10%, 20%, 30% over last year. Well, the well, the improved jobless numbers over the past several months show the economy is beginning to recover. Job growth is still not robust enough to provide jobs for the millions who remain out of work or to boost wages for most Americans. Yeah. If CFO chief uh, economist William Sprague said, while payroll economists, uh, while payroll employment returned to its uh, great Returned to its pre-Great Recession level of January 2008, public sector employment uh, continues losing jobs, especially local public education. This drag in the public sector is a reminder of the need to increase public investment in hiring back teachers and rebuilding our sewers, roads, and transportation systems. The share of Americans who are, who are employed remains stuck below 59% well below the 63.3% peak in March 2007 and 64.7% in uh, April 2000. That difference represents the multi-million dollar job gap uh, needed. And uh, wages are grown 2.1% over the year, just about even with inflation. Little catch-up for the middle class. The minimum wage is now below 30% of the average wage and a record low, a reminder of the needs to raise the minimum wage. He added that the real measure of a healthy labor market is wages that rise with productivity, and that is not happening. The number of long-term unemployed people, those jobless for 27 weeks or more, showed little change at 3.4 million jobless workers, while the number of long-term unemployed workers has dropped by 979,000 in the past year, Long-term joblessness continues to plague the economy, and House Republicans continue to refuse to allow a vote on the extension of the emergency unemployment compensation benefits programs that was approved by a bipartisan Senate majority. House Republicans allowed emergency help for jobless workers to extend in the last eight years. I think that all Republicans should be hung and slaughtered, just murdered, okay? Just put them up and hang them high, okay, over the Congress building. These guys are the most ruthless, most mindless, most stupid kind of people that exist on this face of the earth. House Republicans allowed emergency help for jobless workers to expire at the end of last year. These guys are pathetic, miserable credence, okay. So far, more than 3 million jobless workers have lost benefits, and that number continues to rise. Call your representative at 845-809-4509 and tell her or him to pass the EUC benefit extension. Come on, folks. Help out here. Last month's biggest job gains were in professional and business service, 55,000 mostly in employment services, health care, 55,000, food services, 32,000, and transportation and warehousing, 16,000. Employment in other major, major industries, manufacturing, retail trade, retail trade, financial activities, and uh, mining and government changed little over the month. Unemployment rates for the major worker groups fell, men, 
5.9%, adult women 5.7%, whites 5.4%, blacks 11.5%, show little or no change. The jobless rates for Latinos rose to 7.7% for April, 7.3%, and the unemployment rate for adult black women fell to 10%, as low as since January 2008.
Now this is, uh, this is June 5th, actually, when this happened. This is quite a while ago, about six days ago. March, striking Walmart workers today are calling their, are taking their call for Walmart to end its retaliation against the bullying of workers who speak out to the company's home office in Benton, Arkansas, Bentonville. The action follows Wednesday's strike in more than 20 cities across the nation and precedes Friday's annual shareholders meeting in Fayetteville, Arkansas. In, a, in Paramount, California, Walmart uh, strikers linked arms and walked into the store wearing tape over their mouths with the word strike written in red. Uh, Walmart mom, Evelyn Cruz, who works at a Pico Rivera Walmart, said, I'm striking for Barbara for Tiffany and for other moms who Walmart has tried to silence. Our families cannot struggle to cannot continue to struggle on Walmart poverty pay and constantly changing schedules while Walmart and Walton family make billions from our work. At the shareholders meeting the workers will urge shareholders to vote against reelecting Rob Walton as chairman because of the company's systemic violations of labor and environmental standards. Walmart mom and shareholder uh, Chairman Given Thomas, who will be speaking in support of a proposal to improve corporate uh, governance at the meeting, says, The Walton heirs have led the company to a low point defined by the hardship they are creating for working families. The inexcusable lack of oversight of its supply chain and illegal bribery, all to increase their massive fortune. Shareholders and associates want Mr. Doug McMillan, Wall Street Walmart CEO to lead our company back to a direction that the Americans can be proud of. Below are the tweets and photos from today's actions. You also can uh, follow on Facebook, Twitter. All right. So, yeah. I hope I hope people understand, and maybe they can boycott Walmart. You know, until these things happen. I mean, I, I that's all I can tell you. Help these people. All these workers, good, hard people, these good, strong Walmart workers. God, God love Standing up for their jobs, standing up for freedom, standing up for peace and wages. God damn Walmart. God damn Walmart.
And if you got on an assembly plant in Detroit or in a steel plant in Youngstown, you could buy a home. You could raise kids. You could send them to college. You could retire with some security. And those jobs didn't just tell us uh, how much we were worth. They told us how much we were contributing to society and how we were helping to build America. And they gave people a sense of dignity and purpose. They saw a Boeing plane or one of the big three uh, cars rolling off the assembly line, and they said, you know what, I made that. And they were iconic. And people understood that's what it meant for something to be made in America. Well, the president has continually called for curtailing corporate incentives to outsource the manufacturing to other countries, saying it's time to stop rewarding businesses and ship jobs overseas and start rewarding companies and create jobs right here in America. A White House fact sheet summarizes plans for restoring the manufacturing jobs. Oh, yeah! Well, apparently some folks of the administration haven't gotten the message. On May 27, the Office of Management and Budget issued a notice for comments on proposals to drastically alter the way government keeps statistics on domestic industries. And the proposal suggests that factory-less goods producers be classified as manufacturers. So if you don't have a factory in this country, they still produce, can consider you as a manufacturer. Yeah, oh, this is really brilliant. In addition to being an oxymoron, the proposal, if produced, as if adopted, would create a statistical fiction that companies that are American in name only, which outsource 100% of their production, assembly and services to other countries like China, will be deemed to be manufacturers. In other words, the company does not have to manufacture any of its products in the United States to be considered a U.S. manufacturer. For example, companies like Apple, which according to the New York Times relies on hundreds of thousands of workers in other countries to produce its goods, would now be included in manufacturing industry statistics. I would boycott, I have boycotted, I would demand that I never, that I smash anything that belongs to an Apple you know, any Apple product. Workers who have been laid off because their work has been sent overseas have been crying foul for years. This proposal would add insult to injury by creating the absurd statistical conclusion that foreign production of outsourced work from the United States still counts as being made here. This is a thing, obscene, obscene. As the basis for the proposal... The proposal creates an Alice in Wonderland distortion uh, of manufacturing statistics that could have widespread implications. The immediate implication is that, on paper, the value of U.S. exports will surge and our trade deficit will significantly shrink. This dangerous falsehood will convey the message that our economy, particularly industrial sectors like manufacturing, is growing at an accelerated rate, when in fact it is not. It also will be relied on to support trade and investment agreements that have had, in reality, a negative impact on U.S. manufacturing and its workers. Another source implication involves the methods that various agencies use to calculate domestic content of goods and services for measuring associated U.S. jobs. Domestic content is the key factor in the application of of uh, and by American laws and U.S. export-import bank policies. By American laws require that taxpayer money spent on government procurement is used to buy U.S.-produced goods. Well, export-import domestic content policies are essential 
for letting it meet its mission of providing financing for exports that are made in U.S. by U.S. workers. If the definition of U.S. manufacturing is nonsensical, they broaden to include foreign manufactured goods can consider considering foreign parts, components, and other goods as made in the United States be far off? Exactly. I mean, this is absurd. And the, the, the proposed change also would have serious implications for consumers. The Federal Trade Commission definition would not be clearer. A product that is all or virtually all made in the United States will ordinarily be one in which all significant parts and processing that go into the product are of U.S. origin. In other words, where a product is labeled or otherwise advertised with an unqualified made-in-USA claim, it should contain only a de minimis or negligible amount of foreign content. In order for a product to be considered all or virtually all made in the United States, the the final assembly or processing of the product must take place in the United States. Well, the proposal contradicts the FTC's well-thought-out definition and could lead to massive deception of marketing practices. It is easy to imagine that some companies could claim that their products are made in the United States when they are made offshore. Well, if consumers look for the Made in USA label would be dumbfounded to learn that the goods are made in China and elsewhere would be considered manufactured in America. Indeed, adopting these proposals would be inviting factory-less producers to start labeling their goods as U.S. manufactured, misleading, well-intentioned consumers. I mean, this is absolutely criminal. Growth in U.S. manufacturing remains anemic. In April, the Department of Labor um, reported that the manufacturing sector gained in mere 12,000 jobs in April. This hardly puts us on pace to create the number of manufacturing jobs that have been lost in the past 10 years. And according to government statistics, we are far behind the number of manufacturing jobs that are needed to recover from 2.3 million jobs that have been lost in sectors over the last 10 years. The current proposal is deceptive at best. At worst, it would lead to the loss of hundreds of thousands of U.S. manufacturing jobs. After all, if a U.S. company can maintain its manufacturing status and outsourcing 100% of its production to other countries, as the proposal suggests, they remain eligible for government support through programs like the Export-Import Bank and qualify for buy American contracts, what incentives does it have to either initiate or maintain manufacturing here at home? Instead of deceptive proposals that would inflate U.S. manufacturing statistics by including non-U.S. manufacturing, OMB should be considering serious proposals that could, in reality, actually assist in growing the sector. The suggestions include develop a comprehensive policy that does not accept current outsourcing of manufacturing to other countries as a trend that cannot be changed, and uh, revenue uh, review all government incentives that encourage corporations to outsource manufacturing focused on corporate taxes, currency manipulation, and trade and investment agreements, and establish a, gov- a manufacturing development bank that would provide financing to manufacturers who will create U.S. jobs and create uniform methods based on the FTC's definition of made in USA for calculating domestic content through, through, throughout all government agencies. The, proposed, the proposal posted by OMB would be, uh, Office of Management and Budget, would be laughable if it didn't have such serious implications. If 
adopted, the proposal would damage the credibility of much-needed government statistics. It also would raise issues of transparency by making it more difficult to accurately identify a product's manufacturing country, and most important, it would move us in the exact opposite direction that the President spoke of when he so eloquently called for ending incentives for companies to send manufacturing overseas. I mean, it is absolutely disgusting what is happening, folks. It's absolutely disgusting. I mean, it is just absolutely the most disgusting thing I have ever witnessed. Absolutely. for joining me. And uh, I got a, probably a little outraged, but whenever I do this program, uh, Lila is not here tonight with me, but she generally helps to moderate my, my vitriol and my issues. But um, I want to thank everybody for joining me. And uh, please uh, listen to what I've said. Go to the AFL-CIO blog and look for yourself and see these things and realize what's happening to this country and happening to the labor. It's a frightening situation. Good night, everybody. Oh, and join me tomorrow when I have a little more enlightening stuff to talk to you about with Maria Fitzgerald-Jerry when we transcend the dimensions and transdimensional radio. Good night, everybody. <laughs>